and share that with you. And um, you guys have been uh, supporting them and you've invested in their ministry. So we love to have missionaries come and share kind of, uh, you know, what's been happening. And so that you know that your money is not just going off and, and you have no idea what it's going to or what you're supporting. And so we love to have missionaries come and and uh, just I know that you'll be blessed by um, his uh, ministry today. So would you welcome Pastor Jeff again? Thank you, Pastor Kevin. It's a joy to be here, and thank you for indulging me that story. I hope it's a blessing to the young people, to the children, and uh, we're, we're, we're glad to be back. Um, so when we left for Kenya in 2001, our family was quite young. Our oldest was eighth grade, seventh grade, fourth grade, and kindergarten. And uh, so we, we headed out there. If some of you still have that old, old prayer card, I encourage you to get the newer one and update it a little bit. But uh, we've had quite a few in between. We've been here to uh, the church a few times. I don't have all the pictures when we were here, but I think this was in about 2013. And uh, so... We enjoyed our time with you over the years. Go ahead. And uh, Kent and Carol were here back then. We're actually going to see them have supper with them tonight. So if you've been around a while, you remember Kent, Kent and Carol. So yeah, just uh, been here in the winter and in the summer. So uh, and, and years ago, we used to pastor in Botno. Uh, that's uh, up by the Peace Gardens. And this was the church we planted when we were up there. Just to give you a little update on our lives and ministry, um, for 16 years we were pastoring, and one of the places was here in Botno. Then we also pastored up in Alaska. Um, after 16 years of ministry, then we were uh, pastoral ministry, we got to go over to Kenya, and there I served as the president of the Bible school as well as teaching there prior to that. God really helped us uh, in the time that we were there. The Bible school grew tremendously. Uh, and we were able to get a new campus. I told the Sunday school class a little bit about that this morning. Planted churches, uh, 22 churches all over Africa. And while we were there, I always had this desire to write. But I was pretty busy. We were, we were traveling all over. These were some of the places we planted churches um, all over Africa. And in fact, the, the church in Moberly, uh, Missouri, that Pastor Kevin was with, uh, was a church that came over and helped us build, I think, two churches in Africa during that time, and uh, so, so we, were, we were busy, but didn't have a lot of time to write. Well, uh, we were home in the U.S. in 2018, and all of a sudden, uh, my wife had a stroke, and uh, she's had two others since then, but three, three brain bleeds, and the doctors told us then, you cannot go back to Africa, you can't live in Africa because of your wife's health, and uh, we praise God for how she is doing. She's a walking miracle. We thank God for that, uh, but she's still got a condition that they, they say it's not uh, okay for her to live in Africa. Well, when that happened, you know, we've been wanting to be missionaries our whole lives. My wife was three years old when she told her mom, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. And so, so we've had this desire, and all of a sudden, the door closes to live in Africa. And honestly, that put us into kind of an emotional tailspin. And so we were not able to go back, but we prayed and said, God, what do you want us to do now? And, you know, God has an amazing way. 
uh, I, we all have stories, don't we? I got to hear Brother Top's story this morning before, before Sunday school. All of us have a story of what God is doing in our lives. And sometimes we think, oh, no, we can't go back and live in Africa now, so, so it's over. But, but the reality is God opened a door, in, in my mind, bigger than what we had before. And so currently I'm training African leaders all over the continent, not going back to just one, con one country, but traveling to many, many countries all over Africa. And uh, I'm coordinating Africa Library Services, and God has given me an opportunity to write as well. So in the last year and a half or so, before I started raising funds to continue the ministry, we were able to uh, conduct conferences in, uh, uh, with 335 participants, 34 countries, all over Africa, uh, those Bible school leaders came together and we were able to train them. The conferences looked something like this, where these people would come from, go ahead to the next one there, uh, leaders from these Bible schools and, and we would train them. I also taught classes where I would be able to inspire new uh, pastors and missionaries to go out and reach unreached people groups. And we, we had uh, times like this where we'd have role play situations Go to the, there. And, uh, and then while I've been here in the U.S., uh, we have an office now in Springfield, Missouri. I've been able to write. And these are some of the books that I've written that are being translated now into uh, 16 languages, 10 languages, three languages, and God is helping us. And so we've been able to, I think, have a greater influence after Janelle's stroke than we even had before. While we're traveling this year, we have a lot of funds to raise. They've asked us to raise $30,000 in cash and an additional $4,000 a month in pledges. I know you folks have been supporting us and we appreciate that. We have to increase that in such a great way. It's the biggest increase in our budget we've ever had. I thought, you know what, I'm getting 16 years old and it should be easier, but it's not easier. It's becoming even more difficult, but we have served the same God and he's helping us. Our family that left as a young family has now grown quite a bit. I encourage you to pick up a prayer card on the back table if you don't already have one and be praying for us because maybe one day we'll be bit by that shark and we'll need you to pray for us. Amen. Uh, I'd like to introduce my wife, Janelle, if you could stand, and my mother-in-law, Sharon Ballweber. And uh, we're traveling. Most of the time, I travel by myself this year. Yeah, you give them a hand. Uh, but last week or so, we bought this motor home, and we're able to travel together right now. So I'm glad for that. My, my wife's mother, Sharon, was pastor, as I said, here in Finley, North Dakota. They pastored for 50 years all over uh, Midwest up to Alaska and, and out west, and we're, we're grateful for her impact on my wife's life and, and mine as well. I want to share this morning a message uh, I've entitled, They Had Been With Jesus. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 4, 13, or you can follow along on the screen. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about Peter. And so in this particular story, Peter has preached a great message. Many people got saved. Hallelujah. And uh, a few days later, a short time later, they were walking into the temple, and there was a lame man there from birth. And uh, Peter said those powerful words, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, he had been with Jesus. He knew uh, how Jesus healed people, and Jesus used him now. And, and, and this man was healed. He got up and walked and leap and praising God in the temple. Well, the leaders were not happy about that. So they arrested Peter and John, throw them in prison, and now they're standing before these religious leaders, and look at this verse. Now, 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they, had, that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took note concerning them that they had been with Jesus. Amen? I want that to be said of me. I believe you want that to be said of you. What is different about you? You have been with Jesus. Heavenly Father, as we share today about some things from the Word of God and also our experiences in Kenya, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to realize that when we get closer to Jesus, you can use us to do tremendous things, whether that's in Kenya or that's in Carrington or wherever we are, God, you can use us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Peter's story is told in the Bible, and some scholars tell us he failed 13 times. We have 13 times where Peter failed in the Bible. I'm glad they haven't written my story in the Bible because there'd be a few more than 13. But, but Peter was just a man like us, wasn't he? In fact, one time they were out fishing. Jesus is wa- not fishing, but they were out in the boat, and Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, if, if, if I can walk on the water, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come. And he got out and walked on the water a few steps, but then he looked away from Jesus on the waves, and he went under, and Jesus pulled him out. And so... You know, he did more walking on water than I did, but he, he again, he failed. Another time, they were at the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, and, and there, uh, Jesus was telling them, you're all going to deny me tonight. You're all going to go away. And Peter said, not me. I will never, even if I have to die with you, I won't. Well, you know what happened a few hours later. Jesus was arrested. They were taking him, and Peter was hiding by a fire with servants around. And even in front of a servant girl, he denied Jesus. In fact, it was his third time in the cock crew, and he saw Jesus, and and he must have felt crushed. He failed again. And sometimes you and I don't measure up. When we might say, Jesus, I'm going to do it for you, and then when it comes to the time, maybe we don't make it. But a few days later, you know, Jesus did die. He went to the tomb. He rose from the dead. And and now he's kind of in and out. He's here some, and then he's gone some. And he walks through walls, and then he's gone again. And and Peter finally said to them all, I'm going fishing. A bunch of them went out fishing, and they didn't. And then as they're returning, Peter, they see somebody out on the shore with a fire. And they run there, and Peter gets out of the boat, and, and they realize it's Jesus. And I wonder what Peter's thinking. I've failed Jesus. But Jesus reinstates him there. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He, he, he three times reinstated him to ministry. Well, Jesus went into heaven and he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. And they went back there and they prayed. And during that time, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to, to speak in other tongues. And people out there heard it. And they said, what's happening? And some, some goofball even said, they must be drunk. Well, have you ever seen a drunk person who can speak in another language, glorify God, and speak better than they could? Uh, you know, I, I mean, crazy. But Peter stood up with the twelve in front of thousands of people in Jerusalem. This man who could not say in front of a servant girl, I know that man, now he's preaching in front of those who killed Jesus. And he preaches a powerful message. And the 
the Holy Spirit comes on that group, and many of them are saved. 3,000 men are come to Christ and are baptized. And Peter has done a phenomenal thing. I am so glad I'm Pentecostal. Today, we understand that the charismatic Pentecostal movement is spread around the world faster than any other religious movement in the history of our world. I'm talking faster than Islam, faster than Hinduism, faster than Buddhism, faster than all parts of Christianity. The charismatic Pentecostal movement has spread around the world. Let me give you an example of that. Do you know how long it took the Catholic Church to go from its first member to a half a billion members? That's 500 million. Anybody want to guess? 1,900 years. 1,900 years to go from its first member to a half a billion. Do you know how long it took the charismatic Catholic, a charismatic and Pentecostal movement to go from its first member on January 1st, 1901 to a half a billion members? 115 years. This is a fast moving, spreading. It's around the world, and I praise God for that. Well, you see, after Peter's encounter with this man who was healed, the only thing the people could say is they took note that they had been with Jesus. You see, they wanted to be disqualified by these leaders. Oh, you guys are ignorant. You're fishermen. You're unlearned. You don't know about religion. Hallelujah. Maybe not, but they had been with Jesus. You see, I mean, I've been to schools, I've been to theology, I've, I've, I've studied many, many years. But that's not what's going to change lives. That's not what's going to plant churches. That's not what's going to affect the world. What's going to affect the world is, has Jeff Nelson been with Jesus? Have you spent time with Jesus? I want us to t- look at here. They were disqualified by men, but qualified by God. They had been with Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord was on them, and they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. Do you want to be effective in Carrington, in New Rockford, and wherever you are here? Let's spend time with Jesus. Amen? So I want to take you to Kenya at this time and tell you a few stories, some things about what's happened in in, in Kenya. There was a lady in a little tiny church in Magina, Kenya, back in the 1960s, and she was praying. She was praying for her children. She was praying for her grandchildren. And she really wanted them to know Jesus like she did. She wanted them to follow God like she did. One day as she was praying in this little Christian church in Magina, she had a vision. She saw a pit there, and this pit was, people were falling into the pit. Her family members and her neighbors and friends and people from all over Kenya, they were falling into this pit. And as she was watching them fall in, and they were going, and they were gone, and she'd never see them again, all of a sudden, a, a white man came running, and he ran down into that pit, and he started pulling people out of the pit. He started pulling Kenyans out. He started pulling her neighbors out, her children out of that pit. And she, she, she saw this in her vision, and, and then she came after the vision, and she told the people in her church, this is what I saw. This pit and people falling in and never coming out, but then this white man came, and he was pulling people out, and they began to pray, God, send us that white man. There was a man in Oklahoma, and uh, his name was Dale Brown. 
Dale and his wife, and, and um, they, were, they were construction workers. He owned a little construction company, and he would build homes and businesses. And, and uh, one day, God spoke to him and his wife and said, I want you to be missionaries in Africa. So Dale Brown went up to Springfield, Missouri to headquarters, and, and there he talked to them, and he said, uh, God has called me to be a missionary to Africa. Would you send me? And the Assemblies of God, they're excited. Here's a fresh new recruit. And they said, okay, well, tell us, tell us what Bible school you graduated from. Oh, I never went to Bible school. Well, well what church did you pastor? Well, I've never been a pastor. I'm a construction worker. Well, tell us about your family. Oh, this is my wife, and we have seven children. Seven kids? I'm sorry, but you are not qualified to be a missionary with the Assemblies of God. In order to be a missionary, you've got to have a small family, and, 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 and you've got to have gone to Bible school and pastored a church so we know that you're a good minister before we can send you. So he went back home, and for the next year, he continued his business and continued to pray. God, why did you call me if I can't go? But during that year, God blessed his business in a phenomenal way. He, he was making money like never before. And at the end of the year, he went to his district and he said, I know I'm not qualified to be a missionary. I tried that with the headquarters, but, but I, I'm going to sell my own business. I have enough money to support my own family. Would you just allow me to go from the Oklahoma district and I'm going to go to Africa? And they said, yeah, if you've got your own money, you can go. So he, he went out as an Oklahoma missionary to Ghana, West Africa. And while he was in Ghana, one time during his five or six years of ministry there, he had a vision. God raised him up from Ghana, took him all the way across East Africa, uh, over the Nile River, and there in Africa, he had a vision that he was in Kenya. And so he told his wife, I believe God is calling us to Kenya next. And so when they completed their work in Ghana, went back to United States, went to Springfield and said, I, I really feel God now is calling me to, to, to Kenya You've still not been to Bible school. You still haven't pastored a church. You've still got seven kids. No, you can't go. He went to the Oklahoma district and said, I, I'm not qualified, but I feel God wants me to go to Kenya now, and I still have my own money. Can I go? And so they said, yeah, you can go. And so Dale Brown took his family, and they went to Kenya. Landed at Mombasa, got off the boat, went to Nairobi, then north of Nairobi a few miles, and they settled in a, in a place called Tigoni. He settled his family there. They started traveling around and preaching, but not a lot of people accepted their Pentecostal message. One Sunday night, however, he got to a place called Magina, a little Christian church there. And as they gathered with the people in Magina, he started preaching on a Sunday night. They told him he could preach. And as he began to preach, all of a sudden there was a lady, a little grandma lady in the back, and she jumped up and down. She goes, that's the man I saw in my vision. That's the man who came running into the pit and was pulling people out. God has sent him to us. We need to listen to him. And that church accepted him. And they said, we want you to come back and preach and preach. And he, he began to pastor that church. And God began to do a tremendous thing. Young people in that church began to be, to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit like she saw in her vision. And, and they were coming out of the world and God was using them. He began to take these young people around and they began to plant churches. 
And, and one of the young people, his name was Peter, and his, his, the young lady he liked was named Naomi, and they were some of the best ones he would take out with him on these church plantings. And pretty soon he went from one church to five churches, to ten churches, to twenty churches, to fifty churches. God was using him and these young people to plant churches across Kenya. He began to write letters back to Springfield. He said, I know I'm not qualified to be a missionary, but I've got 50 churches. I need somebody to help me train them. Can we start a Bible school? Right again, we've got 100 churches. Would you please send missionaries to help me? 150 churches. Would you? And finally, the Assemblies of God in Springfield said, you know what? I think something's happening there. We better send some missionaries to help him. In fact, they, they brought him back to the US, and they said, now you can be a missionary. You're qualified to be a missionary. And they gathered together, and the missionaries, they, they helped to build a church in Kisumu, one of the big towns there in Kenya. And this, this uh, let's go back a couple, church, uh, a couple slides, if you can go back. And this uh, church, keep going back to a church building there. No, maybe I don't have it on this one. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So, so they built this first church, and they had their first... That's it. In Kisumu, this is the first church built by the Kenya Sons of God. Most of the others had been house churches and just meeting under trees. And, and, and so they, they held their first general council here, and they said, we need to take students and send them to Bible school. We don't have a Bible school in Kenya yet. And so one of the missionaries, his name was Jerry Spain, started traveling around and he'd meet with people and say, you know, he'd preach at their church and then he'd say, if you wanna, if you wanna be a pastor, if you wanna be trained, we're gonna send you to our Bible school in Tanzania, in Arusha. And so when he got to this church in Magina, the first church, he was preaching and he shared and, and, and Peter said, I, I wanna go. And so young Peter, this teenager, went to the Bible school and uh, was trained there. They came back for the second and the third general council to this building, and when they're having that general council, they, they said, we as missionaries were leading the church, but we believe that God wants to use you as missionaries to Kenya. You need to go to the tribes that have never heard the name of Jesus and plant churches there. Who would be willing to go? And three couples, Peter and his wife, now Naomi, and two other couples, they came forward and they said, we'll be the first missionaries. And so they were sent out and Peter and Naomi went to the Samburu tribe and they began there and they planted a church. And God blessed it and they planted another and another and pretty soon they'd planted a section. And it wasn't long, they'd planted a whole district and he became the district superintendent of these churches that he had planted. Well, our, our missionaries have a goal, and that is we do not want to always be the leaders. We do not want to own the church. We want it to be indigenous. We want the local community and the local nation to own the church. <coughs> it's called indigenous church principles. Self-governing, self-supporting, self-evangelizing. And so they said, um, we're going to, in, in about three years, we're going to select a general superintendent from among you. And we missionaries will step aside. So they said, right now we have six districts in the Kenya Assemblies of God. And we want, we want each of the district superintendents of these six districts to lead the church for six months and then after that, after that trial period, we'll come back together and you people can vote on which one you want to be your general superintendent. So they did that. Six months for this district superintendent, six months for the second one. When they came to Peter and Jerry's district in the Rift Valley, the missionaries, in their wisdom, said, you know, you're too young. 
you're really just a young man, and we need somebody with experience, not a novice. So, so they took his assistant, who was an elderly man, and made him the trial general superintendent, then the fourth district, fifth, sixth. And after three years of six months each, they brought, came together, and they brought them up in front of the general council, and they said, now you get to vote on your first general superintendent of the Kenya Assemblies of God. We have tried out these six men, leaders in their district, and you can vote on which one you want to be the general superintendent. And one of the guys in the, in the audience, he said, um, I have a question, yes? Well, when you had us sign this constitution and bylaws for our church, in there it says that anybody who's a ordained pastor can serve as general superintendent. Is that correct? Well, yes, that's correct. But we've already tried these out, so you can vote. But is it lawful? Can we actually nominate somebody that's not standing up there? Well, technically you can. I nominate Peter and Jerry. So the young man who they had disqualified because he was too young in their eyes, he came and stood up among the six, and so they now voted. Well, you can guess who they selected to be their general superintendent. Peter Njiri was selected to be their superintendent. The one they, go to the next picture, the one they did not think was qualified. Oops, back, back one, there. And he, this young man went, when he took over the Kenya Assemblies of God, they had about 300 churches. He served the Kenya Assemblies of God as general superintendent for 36 years, the longest serving general superintendent, I think, in the world. And, and during that time, they went from 300 churches to 3,600 churches. God just used this man to lead the church. I told you in Sunday school this morning how he raised the money to build our new campus and, 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 and believe God for that, for that. God used him in a tremendous way. Unqualified, disqualified by man, but God said, this is the man I want to lead the church. Well, when Janelle and I got married, we had one goal in mind. We wanted to be missionaries. Janelle had been called when she was three. I was uh, a few months before we met. God called me to be a missionary. And so uh, that's another story. But, but God called us. And, and so we checked the manual for the Assemblies of God. They said you could have two children, three at the most. You had to be in good health and younger than 35. Well, all of those things were true. And so in 1987... We applied for the first time to be missionaries with the Assemblies of God. We had one child at the time, uh, Jonathan was born, and uh, we had been youth pastors, and we were in good health and younger than 35 by a lot, so we sent our paperwork to the Assemblies of God, and in 1987, the phone rang, and it was the Assemblies of God, and I said, yes, and they said, no. I said, why? They said, well, your school loans are too high. You owe money because you went to Bible school and you owe too much money, we can't approve you. I said, okay, thank you, goodbye. God, what's wrong with these people? You called us to be missionaries and they're telling us no. Do you want us to go with another organization? But I felt like God saying, I've placed you under the authority, like an umbrella of the Assemblies of God. Listen to them and I will lead you. So we said, okay, God, what do you want us to do now? And so that's when God led us to Botno when we planted the church in Botno. We were there three and a half years, and God helped us to see a church planted, and people saved, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and called into ministry, and, and, and during that time, we had our second child, and, and then just as we were leaving there, God gave us our third child, and so in 1991, we applied again with the Assemblies of God. We were still younger than 35, good health, two children, three at the most, but Grandma said they were exceptional, so we thought it'd be okay. So we applied. And in 1991, the phone rang again. It was the Assemblies of God. And I said, yes. And they said, no. I said, why? 
Well, we want you to get more experience in the United States first. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. More experience? God, what are they talking about? I've been a youth pastor. I planted a church. What do you want? Maybe now, God, you want us to go to another organization. And folks, I'm not saying the Assemblies of God is the best or the only. Uh, uh, it's the best for me. But God says, I've placed you there under that authority. You need to listen to them. So I said, okay, God, what do you want us to do now? And God led us to Alaska, and we began to pastor this church in Healy, Alaska. And, and, and I told God, I'm coming up on 35 years old. You want me to pastor this church? I will. But before I get to 35, you better call us into missions. You better let us go. Well, we were there, 1992. I prayed, God, what do you want us to do? And I heard nothing. 93, 90, 94 came along. And guess what God did? I mean, maybe I had a little bit to do with this, but God gave us our fourth child. Joshua was born. I said, God, you called us to be missionaries. You told us to stay in the assemblies of God. They said two children, three at the most. Count them, God. We've got four. What do you want us to do about missions? And I heard nothing from God. 1996 comes along, and my wife gets cancer. A long story, but God brought us through, through doctors and prayer and healing and uh, and so I pray, God, now what do you want us to do? We've got a bad health record, too many kids, and I hear nothing. 1997 comes along, and I turn 35. Too old, too many kids, bad health. In 1998, we feel like God is calling us to take a short-term missions trip to Africa. Well, we take this trip. It's a long story. I'm going to skip through some of these slides. But God, God, God speaks to us during that trip in a very specific way. We come back to America in 1998, we apply, and the phone rings in 1999, and it's the Assemblies of God. And I said, yes, and they said, yes, now you can go. You see, we were disqualified by the rules, but God said, now is the time, and he's sending us. Well, we went to East Africa School of Theology. You can slip, flip through a few of these because of time. Go ahead. There's one there with Janelle and I standing in front of a sign of the Bible school. And so we were there teaching at the Bible school, and we were taking students out, and we were, we were planting churches. And one particular time, we wanted to go to one place and plant a church, but it was like the door was closed. And so I went to our district superintendent, and I said, where should we go? This door is closed. Is there any place else we can go and plant a church? And he began to tell me the story of a lady by the name of Grandma Sarah. And Grandma Sarah, um, he said she was a widow. She was living on the streets. She had nothing. She was trying to care for her children and grandchildren by picking leaves off the trees and boiling them in water to feed to the kids. But God spoke to her one day and said, I want you to go to the Randile and be a missionary to an unreached people group there. She went to her pastor, Bishop Moses, and she said, I feel like God is calling me to go to the Arandili as a missionary. Can I go? And being a wise and loving pastor, he said, Grandma Sarah, you're not qualified. You've never been to Bible school. You've never pastored a church. You're not licensed or ordained. So she went home and prayed. One day, somebody gave her 4,000 shillings. That's like $50. She said, went running to a pastor. She said, Pastor, I know I'm not qualified, but I have my own money. Can I go? So they prayed for her that Sunday morning and sent her off. She rode on top of a cattle truck. 
with cows and camels underneath her. She traveled two days. Go ahead to that one. Two days journey to a little town, and there she got off, and God used her. They were going to kill a witch in that town because the witch was going out and casting spells on people who were dying. Grandma Sarah said, let me go and talk to them. So she went in and she prayed for a lady who was dying and the lady was healed. She talked to the witch and said, do you want to receive Christ? And she cast demons out of her and the woman got saved. And God used that opportunity to change that village. And so, so Bishop Moses said, I think we should go help Grandma Sarah plant a church. So we went there, and the first two weeks, we saw 573 Randille, unreached people group, come to know Jesus. God was doing an amazing thing. This is the first service after we built the tabernacle. Had been in that community less than two weeks, and the church is full already with people coming to want to know about Jesus. God used Grandma Sarah, a woman who was disqualified, who woman, a woman who had never pastored, never, never been to Bible school, but God used her to plant a church. Not only there, but God used her to plant four other churches with us in that area. It was such a tremendous time all across Kenya. God was pouring out his spirit. We had the group come to our Bible school, and they sang and testified. Go to the next one. And here they are on that Sunday, that, that, that chapel service testifying. And, and during that service, a man from Joshua Project in Colorado made a phone call to us in chapel, and there on on, uh, I think it, was, it wasn't Zoom back then, Skype. They see this big face on the, on the wall, on the screen, and he said, we, we have declared as of yesterday, they are no longer an unreached people group, but now they're a reached group, praise God. So God, God used an un, a disqualified woman. Well, later she wrote to me and says, she said, Jeff, I've graduated from your Bible school, so now I can be a missionary. But actually, she's a missionary with the Kenya Assemblies of God today, and we're so thankful. Let's go to the last slide. What about you? Do people consider you disqualified? Like Peter? Like the missionary, Dale Brown? Like us, like Grandma Sarah? Do they consider you disqualified? But have you been with Jesus? Then you can do what no one thinks you can do. Amen? I want to pray, and I want you to, each of you talk to Jesus during this time. Heavenly Father, we pause right now. We've heard the story of Peter. We've heard the story of, of Kenya. So many disqualified people in man's eyes, but God, you qualified them. They had been with Jesus. And Lord, I pray today for the people in this Bethel Assembly of God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and say, you can do it. You can accomplish great things because you've been with me. Help us, Lord, to see that you can do through us what no one thinks can happen. And Lord, may we be faithful to you in all of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Worship team, if you would come.